You, you and you met Todd. He's a nice guy, right? He's like a brother now. Yeah, we talk all the time, and uh, it's really it's really crazy. I'll I'll make a Canadian reference here because we like hockey up here, eh? So <laughs> it's like Minnesota state whole, hockey. It's like growing up your whole life idolizing Wayne Gretzky, and then getting to hang out with him. And then he becomes like your buddy, so that's really cool. Man. And He's, I gotta love that because I'm from Minnesota. There you go. Yeah, we're, there you we're go. practically Canadian. Yeah, we're practically Canadian. We have easy access. You gotta give us some, you know, Canadian cred, right? I will. I'll just say that my my knowledge of hockey ends at Wayne Gretzky. Uh, so does mine. No sports. Hockey. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Americans play hockey? I did not know this. <laughs> they do. They have a couple of beach teams. I think. Yes. Yeah. Mark accuses me of doing um, too much pre-production sometimes. No, well, I mean, I like I like what you do. <laughs> I think the, I'm trying to make him warm up to my Doc Brown impression, though. But... Uh oh. Yeah, we'll see. The Doc Brown impression is something else. Marty. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you. That's we, it. That's it. That's pretty much it. Marty, do you know what this means? I here. Let me do my Captain Kirk and Spock impression. Okay, ready? Here it comes. Ready? <laughs> ready spock jim <laughs> thank you that's good that's good i was done uh, good. um that's all i was worried that i wouldn't hear all of it you know huh. <laughs> i noticed you turned your uh, video off when you did those impressions too there we try to conserve bandwidth <sighs> we're, we're gonna maximize our audio resi- you know yeah rich richness from koir studios in minneapolis minnesota it's arcade radio Welcome to episode 23 of the Arcade Radio Podcast. Today is Thursday, September 14th, 2017, and the time is now approximately 7.25 p.m. Central. That's pretty late for us. Thanks for joining us in the Arcade Sphere. This is your host, Adam Stevens. I should be joined by the legendary Dan Reed, but we'll see if that happens. And Mark ain't got no time runner for that shield. And tonight, the guest host... Of Arcade Radio, Jay, Mr. Jay Bartlett of the Nintendo Quest documentary. Welcome to the show. Hello, my friends. Adam, Mark, you guys rock. And I must say you have sexy radio voices, both of you. So congrats. Congrats. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. (laughs) I mean, for the genetics. Oh, yeah. For the gen. Thanks, Mom. I don't know. For for the genetics. That's a really great intro, too. Dude, it's so good to have you on the show. We, you know, and the funny thing is, is you know, Dan Reed is supposed to be here. Let's just say he's unavailable. 
Uh, and it is actually uh, in a sort of a you know medical emergency type of thing. So uh, I know I know we give them a little crap now and again, but let's just be a little forgiving of our co-host and uh, uh, let's move on. So th- normally, what we talk about, Jay, is what we're working on in the hobby. And since this is relatively an arcade hobby, we we we're gonna skip uh, a little bit around and, and and if and if you're working on something that's not arcadish but is video gameish, we're we're down with that too. So, um, Mark, why don't you start us off? What are you working on? Well, unfortunately, the uh, hurricane did damage some folks that own some games, but. Uh, I happened to have an ex-girlfriend who sent me a picture of a Namco 23 Union that somebody put on the side of the road about two hours ago. And so I hooked up the trailer to the Prius, drove down there, introduced myself to the owners so that they wouldn't think I was just looting. And they let me take their Namco 23 Union. They were like, oh, it's been under two feet of water. And I'm like, oh, that sounds really bad. And then uh, I left. (laughs) That's terrible. So hopefully I can bring that guy back. It's in the garage next to the DeLorean right now. Um, and so that's my current thing that I'm working on. Other than that, you know, a couple little things in, here and there. Nothing to, nothing to write home about. Nothing to write home about? No. What does that even mean? I was just talking to a friend of mine. Like, what are all these little idiosyncrasies that we use all the time? You can't squeeze blood from a turnip. I'm off the wagon. And, I mean, seriously, what, what, are, we ta- what are we saying today? Well, back in the day, if you wanted to... You know, if something profound happened, you had to write home about it. I suppose that makes more sense than well. So now you would email about it, right? Or yeah, um, but that's still writing text, home. See, text so about it, it, it. I suppose it continues. Texting still writing home. I don't text home about it. Even if you told Alexa to send a message, it's still writing home. Oh my gosh, you just triggered like eighteen Alexas in the chat. Alexa, turn the arcade on. <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny. It's actually working. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i was watching uh side note i was watching uh the tick everybody watching the tick it, that guy is, is, really that, cool. is that a tv show or is that a remake of the film so there was a cartoon in the in the 90s yeah. and and it's fantastic there's a character called um captain lemming that i remember and he was it was great because he's a he's a one episode character and he says this sounds like a job for captain lemming and he runs off the end of a building and then you hear my spine and that's the end of that character i just oh. think it's a fantastic uh intro and exit of any superhero character ever uh, nice. and, and so and and then later on they made a live action tv show in like the early 2000s with patrick warburton and everybody knows patrick warburton right you know yeah I, I tried to make a joke with him and he did not laugh at it well he's 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 he's, he's putty right from uh yeah. oh, i was gonna say yeah seinfeld right it, it, Everyone calls him Joe from Family Guy. Oh, yeah. Putty, man. Come on. (laughs) And he's been in a ton of of things. And he's Lemony Snicket now. Oh, and he was in uh, uh, one of my all-time... I'm not not even joking. One of my all-time favorite movies of all time is called The Dish. It's in the vein of, like... um, um, What's that that movie that just came out with those three lovely ladies? What's oh that? no 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 no! It's a it's about three lovely ladies uh, dealing with. Um, you Debbie know. does Dallas. No, no, I don't know. No, no, it's about Golden three girls. No, no, close, close, but no cigar. No, it's uh, it's about three lovely ladies in the sixties uh, who are black and try to break into uh, who are who are the help. No, 
No. Damn it. They help Dream cal- girls. No, they help cal- like the chat is probably lighting up right now. So these guy these gals helped put, you know, Apollo into orbit and helped the Mercury missions lift off. They were the the calculators. They were the computers of here we go. Hidden figures. Thank you, Andy Baldwin, ah. for being like my brain on the internet. And if I had like two hands and sort of maybe Google in front of me, which I do. I would be able to type that in and figure it out. But our audience is awesome. Hidden figures. So um, anyway, uh, there's a movie called The Dish. stars Stam, uh, Sam Neill and uh, Patrick Warburton. And it's a fantastic movie about uh, Neil Armstrong and, uh, and uh, Apollo 11 landing on the moon. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. So Nice. nice. Yeah. So, uh, 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 Mark, you said what you're working on. Adam, what am I working on? Hmm. Let's see here. Hmm. Well, I've, I've been working on, uh, I've got a, um, I actually have a, uh, a guy coming to design my bar. I'm going to redo my bar in the basement. The basement arcade is getting a new bar. So I'm, I saw that picture. It's like glass is involved and fun stuff like that. Yeah. Glass. And, and, uh, we're going to do some faux brick with, um, wood. So it's gonna, he's gonna cut off ends of wood, and it's gonna make. It's, gonna, it's hard to explain, but it's nice. Can we do stand up comedy in front of that? Fake yeah, part? you can. You can. You. We're gonna put a mic there and a pole, so you can pole, dan- pole dance if you want to. Oh no! Well, you know, I gotta lock up my liquor too, because I got teenagers coming into the house, and you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta take care of that business before it starts. You just put fake liquor out. Fake liquor. So like, yeah, just, I put the real liquor up somewhere else, and then just, and just put like a bunch of Kool Aids. Well, in Well, because that's what they would do, right? They'd fill everything with like Coca Cola right. and water. So do it before they do it. <laughs> yeah, but you could be the cool dad, the house that everyone goes to. Where yeah, it's, there you, you know, go. It's kind of cool to drink there because <laughs> he lets us kind of thing. And everyone needs like a friend who has the cool dad. You know, I, know. I had the cool mom. Her her name's Tracy Gernhardt, and her mom was Ruth, and she was freaking awesome. You know, and the you funny know. thing is, is that we w- we would want our our, and I say our, but I, I don't have any kids. I'm uh, I'm about to marry someone who has lots of kids, and you know what? To be honest with you, they're they're about the age they're in their their teens, you know, and they're about the age that if they're going to experiment, we want them to experiment with us, you know, and so we would be the parents that said, you know, um, that's fine, well, let's let's help you through this, you know, I don't I don't want to I don't want to have them discover it on their own and then. I don't know. Maybe that's a little too progressive, but you know, I don't, I don't want, uh, I don't want them to get drunk um, on my dime, and I don't want them leaving the house, you know. So especially if they're driving and stuff, I want them to understand the repercussions of of that. So um, I don't know how you know to they're, they're definitely going to throw up their first time. Oh, absolutely. Oh, so absolutely. you want it to be in the comfort of the home, absolutely for yeah, sure, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> my and, first drink, I I think we stole some communion wine at a church. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> oh man, I don't even remember what mine was. I think it was, I think it was Budweiser. My cousin gave me, and uh, I was eighteen and a half. I was a late drinker, and um, he, I would always come over and he was the dude who introduced me to music and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he would give me buds. He's like, "Here, Jay, you know, have this." And I, I was scared to get drunk. Okay, I'll admit it because I didn't know what was going to happen. No shit. So right? I would like pretend to drink it, then I would like go to the kitchen stuff and pour some out look like i was drinking it and then one day i just i guess a little bit too much went down my throat and 
I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> Success. All right, so I'm working on my bar. Jay, what are you working on in, in the video game hobby? Well, first and foremost, no arcade cabs. I have a chop lifter game by Sega. That's the only arcade cabinet I have. Um, Home-wise, though, we, my wife and I, are working on our new house because we just moved. So it's been a couple weeks of, you know, putting up the framed Star Wars pictures exactly perfectly, you know, three inches from each other and that kind of fun stuff that makes us want to kill each other. So we've been working on that. Um, Game-wise, though, any of you guys play Overwatch? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I actually just watch people playing Overwatch. Okay, so season six just started. So I'm currently working on getting better of a rating than silver, which last year I had gold, so I don't know how I like decreased in skill. But uh, um, And we're also doing Destiny 2 as well. So I count that as working in the video game world. <laughs> um, I love it. And also, of course, you know, Rob and I are in talks for various different projects that we can't mention right now so we'll see where that goes it's still in the very early stages well and, and rob so you mentioned rob so tell us a little bit about uh, rob since we're on that subject oh what would you like to know our history or well first of all who is he and how is he wh- wh- what relation would he have in any sort of projects that come up some dude i met on the street and <laughs> no, rob is uh is been my best friend since we were kids growing up he lived two doors down from my mom's house and uh, we just grew up together had exactly the same hobbies the same interests and um, eventually he went to uh, Sheridan Film School in Toronto here and became a filmmaker and I kind of became a musician so we separated a little bit that way Um, but we still came together through our love of video games and music and he came to me one day with a project and said you know I really want to do like a collecting doc and originally what we were going to do was base it on three collectors. Um, my part in the film was going to be uh, Star Wars, so I was going to do the Star nice. Wars stuff. Nice. And then um, then we thought it was just a little too, I don't want to say boring because I don't want to offend anybody who does that stuff on YouTube because I think the community is great. But we wanted something a little more risky, a little more exciting, sure. a, little more, a little more purpose than... You know, this is the game I got, show the camera, and that's it kind of thing, right? And so we kind of... We'll probably get into two. a little bit of that in the interview. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah I, I've known that's Rob a good, forever that's a, for that's like a great teaser. 30 years, yeah. And, and so, Rob, we need to have on the show, and I'm really sorry, Rob, that you're not on the show, and I hope you're listening. And I hope you listen to this episode after it's on, because, uh, you know, we want to give Jay a little bit of star cred right now and, 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 and give him all the... All, all the accolades and attention that he deserves for you know, be, you know essentially being the star in the show. Oh come on! No, oh, come on! Now let's just let's just be a little bit uh, flowery right now, a little bit fun and a little, what? What? Oh, I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. Okay, so uh, I'll tell you what. This is a good time right now. I think for um, what we normally would do, which is it's the arcade news with Don. I know it's funny. If Dan was here, he'd probably say, That thing is horrid. 
That's yeah. horrid. I can't imagine people are using it, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah. th- so I'm Mark, sure he loves it when you play that. Oh, he loves he loves it when I play that. You know. So I think that maybe you should take this this uh, part of the segment. Um, you and I maybe we'll trade off a little bit and uh, let's talk a little bit of Nintendo news and see if Jay has any comment. Okay, so the first little article that I think was newsworthy: Nintendo is going to release its classic arcade games on the Switch, which is you know pretty again? momentous again. Seriously? On the Switch. So are we talking? Okay, here's the th- here's the. Oh, okay, I'm gonna be Dan. We're talking me. about. I'm gonna be Dan. Wait, wait a second. Sports. Wait a second first. We'll just wait. It's mm-hmm. the negative news with Dan Reed. Okay, hold on a second. I'm gonna be good horrid. cop and you can be bad cop. It's horrid. I can't imagine people are using it, but whatever. So here's the problem with this, right? Nintendo's gonna release classic arcade games on the Switch. They did this on the Wii, right? Um. There no, they released NES games on the Wii. Well, this is not only that, but they arc- they released this is the Genesis arcade game? game being emulated oh. on the Switch. Oh, yes. Oh, I stand. Oh, yeah. I sit corrected. I I sit. So in a way, I mean, if you think about it, versus games were oh. sort of released, you know, previously because versus games were so similar. <laughs> but this is actual. <laughs> I mean, we're talking. Um, you know, like the the Donkey Kong, the upright Donkey Kong. I mean, no, I, get, I get it. I get it. So it's like uh, radar scope, right? It's like radar scope or or punch out. Junior Donkey it's Kong. A, it's actually really big news, and I'm really excited about that because awesome. there's a very, very big difference between Donkey Kong Arcade and the NES Donkey Kong. Is it's like a completely different game. Absolutely. and aesthetically and everything. So I think it's really exciting. We don't have to play on a crappy emulator anymore. Sweet, or yeah. or a port, right? So it's a completely different mm-hmm. game. Because yeah, I mean, the in the NES flesh. version. Let's be honest, it was great, but it was not a. It was it wasn't even emulation. It was an actual port, and they skipped a level. Yeah. Well, I so, had to go to. I can't remember where I got my. Got a special NES game of Donkey Kong with the Pie Factory in it. Retro Games something. I can't remember where I got that card. It was like a hundred bucks. Right. But they actually put the Pie Factory in it. It's pretty fun. Oh, nice. Oh, man, that reminds me of a question I have to ask when, <laughs> we start, when we start the real interview. Dang it, I have to remember that. I'll write that down. All right, go, um, ahead, go ahead with item number two. Uh, okay, I'll read item number two. Um, so Stranger Things Season 2, uh, they just released some more script pages that uh, has a little bit more detail about the arcade scene. Has, have you seen that trailer yet with the Stranger, Stranger Things? They're basically in an arcade that uh, they're playing uh, Dragon's Lair in the trailer. I've seen, I, I heard that Dragon's Lair is a very prominent part of that season. I haven't seen the trailer at all. Um, I predict there's going to be an actual dragon in the season. Hmm. Really? But I mean, from the upside down, like a, like an evil dragon, like a, from a negative universe or something. But um, so uh, let me read the little uh, the little paragraph. It says, "Today, which I assume was just a few days ago, Entertainment Weekly dropped two script pages from the new season with annotations from the Duffer Brothers that, that offers more context. Uh, in addition to playing Dragon's Lair, the boys also head over to Dig Dug, only to find that Dustin's precious high score has been overtaken by a user named 
Mad Max. I'm not sure who what they mean by a user. I guess it means a player. The, de- the boys demand to know the identity of this impossibly good gamer, and an arcade employee demands something in exchange. A date with Mike's older sister, Nancy, Natalia Dreyer, who is super cute, by the way. Um, so Sink's character is named Max. Who is Sink? Have they, it's, this, this, this little teaser that I'm reading is like incomplete. Anyway, so long story short, it sounds like there's a new character in the show that's being added, and she's really good at Dig Dug. That's cool, man. I, I, I dig it. <laughs> I, lo- I love that show. I mean, it's like, come uh, on, g- give me my 80s and 90s fix. Go for it. I got to tell you, Stranger Things came out of left field for me, and I was not expecting anything cool. And I, I, I flipped it on Netflix, and that trailer, the, not the trailer, but the opening credits and the Stranger Things logo come across, and I'm going... Holy crap! This is this is a freaking John Carpenter movie. Yeah, very you know, much. With all all the the synth and and just the way the credits came in, I was just like, "Wow, this is I'm I'm interested." And it's only the credits, and then boom, they they did it. I mean, it was just fantastic. I don't know about you guys, but I really liked it. So, anyway, I'm really looking forward to season two, October thirty first. Oh, really? Halloween? That's when they're releasing it? That's awesome. Yep. Let me sidestep real quick and ask you guys a question, if I may. Well, of course. We'd love that. What do you think about um, stuff like Stranger Things and you know shows like Daredevil being on Netflix and having the ability to watch all 12 shows, <laughs> all 12 episodes in one go, binge watching? Do you guys think that's good or do you think it takes away from the overall experience? <sighs> Mark, you answer first and I'll go next um i did not i i think i like the binge watching it is a good alternative although you know it it ruins traditions like you know the weekly when everybody gets together and we're all gonna watch game of thrones you know my family actually we come together every sunday when there's a game of thrones episode my wife makes dinner and then we watch it and then she yells at people if they talk and so (laughs) you know so you don't get that when you're binge watching because you could just watch it all in a day and nobody's going to come over for that they just got to do it on their own time i'll follow that up so when i first watched stranger things um i watched i been i binge watched but i think i the problem was is i started late in the evening right so it's like maybe eight o'clock and i started kicking off and it's really cool and it's dark and it's scary and and it was every episode's about an hour right hour so, I think so, yeah. Yeah. So then I get to the end of an hour, it's nine o'clock. I'm like, this is really, really good. It's compelling, right? What's going to happen? Whoa, who, where is everybody? You know, watch the next one. So, you know, and three hours later, it's like midnight or, or, or after. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to go to sleep. I have to work in the morning. And so I, I, I'm torn because I enjoy the fact that you can kind of binge. But I feel like I'm. I'm kind of with Mark. Like, wouldn't it be better if you had to wait a week? Uh, Jay, what's your what's your? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you guys. I think that they should release them on Netflix, but like once a week, because no matter how much you want to pace yourself, you always have that one dude on Facebook or Twitter who wrecks everything. Oh, like as soon as it's released, right? He'll watch right. all twelve episodes and then right. spill it all. And, and, so you feel like that pressure to watch it all, you know? Exactly. You're you're told I hadn't thought of that, right? So if you're on social media, you're screwed. Because <laughs> I know I have to avoid it. Like you, I haven't yeah. seen it. like I can't talk to you because I haven't seen the last episode of Game of Thrones. So I'm gonna I'm gonna watch like 
no social media for two weeks until I see it. Uh, Randall Gelking says, you can watch it once a week, just like the good old days, if you have willpower. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. And, and, you know, that's a good suggestion. But, um, you know, I also drink a lot. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just what? kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But the point is, is that it's hard if you really like something, you know, like cheese, uh, it, to stop eating it. You know. Oh, cheese! <laughs> Love it. So good. Love it right now. <laughs> so it's it's a it, yes. If we have the willpower, it would be great. I, I actually, um, I. Uh, to answer your question, Jay, uh, I would much prefer to be uh, spoon-fed to me a, on a week-to-week basis. I would rather have an episode and have to wait. Yeah. I, and and just yeah. think of if you had all the episodes of everything that you were waiting, you know, like uh, the new Voltron, for instance, um, uh, Stranger Things. Uh, one of my favorite shows uh, right now is The Good Place, a fantastic show. If you haven't seen it with Ted Danson and uh, Kristen Bell, so you know all, all these shows. If they just gave you a little bit of leeway, and once a week you had to watch them, like the old days. I mean, and we grew up in a different era, boys. So, so remember, we had what three networks, right? Yeah, eh, three networks and PBS. Right. And, so and maybe, whatever independent network you were lucky to get. Yeah, and maybe maybe like for us, Channel Twenty Nine and Channel Twenty Three, the uh, Channel Twenty Three, which brought you um, uh, Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand from Minnesota, by the way. Anyway, so um, you know we had we had those rare moments in, in our, and we were probably the last generation that experienced network television in the way that anybody did. So now to have it on demand, an entire seasons. That is a, that's a really interesting question. I think it's, uh, it's awesome that you brought it up, Jay. I don't miss the commercials, I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, no. if you really sit down and think as a kid and through your adulthood, how many hours you wasted for sure just watching commercials, you know, like, oh, brutal. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So I used to, I used to audio tape like with a cassette recorder like shows so I could watch them again. And then I would inadvertently record the commercials. And unfortunately they're all memorized now. So, and I think, I think at this point, at this point, if Dan were to join us, he would say, uh, you know, over to you, Dan, wait a minute. He would say over to you, Mark. Yeah. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile back, back to the cave cave. with, with time Why are things so heavy in the future? Is there a problem with the Earth's gravitational pull? Hey, that was my time machine's door closing. No, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I think that's funny. It's not. I, uh, it, actually, don't stop what you're doing. I love it. I love it. Hey, step into the time machine. I'm going to take you to October 18th, 1985, the day the Nintendo NES was released to the North American market on a limited basis, but, you know, that's... Technically, it's North American birthday. It, it, to me, it's surprising that as, a, as the Famicom, it had been released two years earlier, so I had to suffer for two years with the, my Atari 2600, <laughs> and Japan could have just cut me some slack and brought it over here. Can I, can I tell a little story? Uh, okay, you got a two-minute window. Go. Uh, okay. Um, so there, there is some, and it, we'll get into this in the, in the film 
interview, but there, there's one thing I take issue with in the film, and it, and it's no skin off the director's back. Robert is a fantastic director, and I, I was really engaged in the film. And I just want to say that right off the bat. I really enjoyed the film. So one thing, though, that I thought was interesting is that... Um, you know, they do this segment called Nintendo 101, and it says, Soon after, though, the video game industry crashed and threatened to thwart Nintendo Famicom for the North American launch. And that's a very brief but succinct statement about what actually happened during that period. I think, I, I think for the sake of the film, they had to tighten that up so that they could get on with Jay's story. And Jay, I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but I want to go into this a little bit because I think it's important for people that are like video game, video game aficionados to fully understand what, what was happening in the industry at the time. And Mark, you alluded to it just a little bit here. And I'm going to go over my two minutes. I know this, but... Um, to give you an, uh, a little bit of history here, um, and you may not know this, but the Atari, Atari was in talks with Nintendo to release the Famicom in North America. What? Jay, yeah, Jay, this is no. true. Yeah, this is true, right? Jay, you know this? I never heard that, no. Okay, so they were actually, in, did, no. in, in 1983, they were working with Nintendo, Atari was. And so the 7800 was on the cusp, but it was not released yet. And there was a company called GC that was GCC that was involved with that. But prior to that, and there's memos to this, you can find it all over the internet. Um, there was a, a, an agreement. So Nintendo, anyone who wanted to come in from outside of the country always had a problem releasing their games unless they came through a North American distributor. So for instance, Moon Patrol. Um, it was written by a Japanese called a company called Irem, and they 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 released through Williams, right? So, um, and um, Nintendo of America had a presence after uh, you know Radar Scope and whatever else, but um, so they were Atari was in talks with Nintendo to release a, a version of the Famicom, and mm. but the interesting thing is is that they. There's rumors that Atari was trying to draw it out. They were like, they have a really good system. The Famicom's been out since what eighty four, you know, whenever they released it. Eighty three. So, so, so they were trying to like bleed out the twenty six hundred kind of hundred stuff. They didn't know what to do with it, but they also thought that they had a crew that could do better. So there was some uh, internal turmoil, you know. So, so the reason why there's a two year wait is because Atari was dragging their feet, right? Uh, so an interesting thing is <clears throat> Nintendo got tired of working with Atari and they said, okay, essentially they said, screw you. We're not screw gonna, you guys. I'm going. Yeah, we're not working with you anymore. We're going to release our own console and we're going to do it uh, with, uh, we're going to incorporate it under Nintendo of America and you guys are just going to have to sit back and watch us make all the money. And that's not exactly how to be. I'm being, I'm a little exaggerating a little bit, but, but the thing is, is that, um, you know, they, the, the point is Atari was involved and there are actual corporate memos to prove it. Hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll post them on, on the, on the show links and whatever else, but it's, it's actually really interesting. So, um, the, the next thing that happened was, um, um, Oh God, what the hell is his name? Uh, Commodore. Oh, what the guy's name? Yeah, the somebody. guy with the white hair. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, <laughs> Commodore founder. Uh, uh, oh no no. Yeah 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 yeah. Wrong yeah. guy. 
you, you know who I'm talking. Somebody's going to beat me to <laughs> in the chat. I, I guarantee somebody's going to be. So Jack Tremiel, he was a Polish American businessman. He's founded Commodore International, right? He brought Commodore typewriters to America, and then the Commodore PET, and the Commodore VIC twenty, Commodore sixty four, and then he ended up being um, basically the guy that um, was running Atari. So. Um, uh, right around the same time. But there was also a departure of uh, a bunch of people that were working with Nintendo at the time. So there's a whole bunch of uh, sort of a mixed pot of things that were going on at the time. I think the simplistic version that Rob and Jordan were getting at during that segment in the film yeah. was, in, was in reference to the fact that there was absolutely zero licensing agreement with Atari. So absolutely. anybody could put... That's why you have triangle cards, circle cards, square cards. Anyone can put a game on the system. And there were so many copycat games. You know, how many Space Invader clones were there? Yeah. And I think I think people just got tired of, you know, 70, 80 bucks a pop for right. essentially the same game over. Like, how many games on the 2600 start with space? For Half sure. <laughs> for sure. So I think that's what that was. No, but that's interesting. I never heard that before. Yeah, and so when Tremail from Commodore came in to basically run Atari in 84, he's like, dudes, you know, consoles are dead. Computers are the way. Mm. So he's like, let's fire up the Atari 400. Let's get, let's get some computers going in here. Um, and this is right at the time when the video game crash was happening, which they do mention in the, in the film, by the way. And um, I think it's great. So... Um, Anyway, I, I'm making this a long story, but what, the, what, I, what I, my point is, is that um, there, there's so much more to it. And I think that uh, there's nothing, seriously, first of all, nothing wrong with the film I watched. I love every every second of it. I think they, they touch on the points that need to happen. I'm not saying they even said anything wrong. I'm just saying that I want to expand on this a little bit because I think people might interest be interested in the backstory, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, and and that, that, was, that, that was something that we wanted to write much longer, but we didn't. Yeah, it's not part we of the didn't story. Want to do like a history lesson. Yeah, it's not part of the story. The yeah. story is, and we'll get into it. It's Jay uh, on a quest, and we're going to get into that a little bit. But the thing that I love about this particular instance is, uh, dude, there's so much more to it. And and just realize, Atari and Nintendo were so closely involved. And and I, I urge anybody who listens to the show go out and look up the whole story. But eventually, you'll you know you'll see. There's there you know we're all in the. It's just an uh, an intriguing story about how Jack Tremail led Atari down the computer path, and Nintendo just basically said, you know what, we're going to do our own thing, and they they did it, and they became the leaders. They became the forerunners in the in the industry, and and that's what the story is going to be about tonight. So that's great, man. Do you know what? That's and I'm not going to go on a rant here. That kind of almost mirrors what they did with Sony, how they left Sony at the altar. Absolutely. Except, except it reversed and put them in the ass because they still made PlayStation. And now look where Sony is. <laughs> I know. I know. So. It's just, it's that, that in, it's such an interesting industry. And I think people um, underappreciate the amount of overlap that happens in the industry. Um, oh and, yeah, that 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 is a that is a really fascinating story, man. I'm going to check it out. For and sure. and we can and great. we we could actually have a whole show just on you know the Super Nintendo and PlayStation One. You know, yeah, that that there's overlap there as well. You know, so my very favorite part in video game history is 1993 to 1995 when all these CD-ROMs like the 3DO, the CDI, for sure. were coming out, 
And my two favorite games in my collection, and I'm not even lying, are Zelda Wanda Gamelon and Link Faces of Evil of the CDI only because the history of the three Zelda games on the CDI is some of the most interesting interesting history in video games. No, totally. I totally agree. Sorry, I got... I'm sorry. (laughs) No, and I... You know what's funny is Brian McLeod Armitage is like trying to find our stream right now and I feel bad for him because he can't find it. He was just on. That's what I thought, but he's not. Hmm. So... Hey, let me read my little things about what happened the same day the NES was released in North America. So that same day, Atari released Gauntlet, which was based on the lesser-known 8-bit Atari game Dandy, which, frankly, I've never heard of. And and that's a terrible name, Dandy. Uh, Gauntlet turned out to be a highly profitable arcade game because it let players insert (laughs) additional quarters for more health. Seriously, Probably one of Atari's biggest gambles and one of their biggest successes in the late '80s. Yeah, I mean that, and that cabinet, you know, having uh, four players being able to play it was kind of key. I mean, I know that there's like a there's a two player gauntlet as well, right? <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, Brian Armitage is in the chat now. He might be able to answer that. Randall says, "Loves me some gauntlet." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah i mean i would love to have a gauntlet here blue um, wizard my needs food <laughs> that I, game ate your quarters almost as much as smash tv does oh, oh smash tv is so awesome so awesome yeah. yeah also worth mentioning is that duck hunt was released in north america as the launch game for the nes oh my god i love duck hunt so many virtual ducks died that stupid day stupid dog <laughs> it's dumb. So many la- the dog laughed so many times that day. Oh, I hate that dog. I hate <laughs> or that. Or giggled dog. and covered his mouth. Oh, it's just mean. That dog was mean. Uh, in the movie theaters, Arnold, Sch- Arnold Schwarzenegger, actioner, <laughs> Commando, with the number one. It was the number one movie. It, it basically it knocked Back to the Future off the number one spot. And it was number one for three weeks, and Back to the Future could never recover. And I hate Commando. <laughs> Wasn't Alyssa Milano in that? Yes. Oh, but she was like teeny tiny, and you couldn't like. I her know that much because I, you, know, you, you just gotta love her, right? Now yeah. it's okay. Yeah, she's hot. Yeah. You know, wet hot American summer. <sighs> oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, so that so good. She's in the second uh, TV Netflix version of it. So good. So good. Interesting. Um, let's see. So speaking of TV on ABC, you had Webster, Mr. Belvedere, different oh. strokes. Nice. Benson, Spencer for hire. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Like, what do you even say about that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> you say, I used to watch some of that stuff. <laughs> I used to watch different strokes. Oh yeah. And I remember when Arnold got his adopted brother, Sam, the redhead or, or I think Mr. Drummond. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, that was when they were. Sam got the yeah. TurboGrafx 16 in one of the. Oh my god! I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was wicked. That's yeah, hilarious. That, it, it actually, Different Strokes originated on NBC and they had gotten canceled, but ABC picked it up and they did stuff like that. Of course, then they also had him watching weird cartoons with a strange <laughs> man in his in his underwear. And then, oh yeah, I remember that episode. I remember that. A, Thanks for bringing that season. up, Dick. <laughs> so many life lessons from that show. I know. Oh it was it was like fifty episodes where like some strange man like lured Kimberly 
Remember right. that? And then he distracted oh. her with video games and he took her to the bedroom. You remember that one? <laughs> and look what happened. And then she went into Night Trap and that was kind of the end of it. Wow. Mm-hmm. By the way, so, in, in the chat yeah. tonight also is Dave from Buffalo. Again, I got to do a shout out to Dave. The guy's, Dave. the guy's a regular. I love him. Hi, Dave. How are you? And, up, and we got uh, Randy. And, oh, also, Brian joined in just just a little bit ago. So, Brian uh, from Paradise Arcade, thanks again. And uh, we have Nintendo Atari guy who is, I don't know who that is, but he's he's new. He's I was prescient that he thought that you were going to talk about Atari and Nintendo suddenly. Well, that's good. It is, uh, I did. I, ra- I went on about that, didn't that's I? That's weird. Are you sure that's not you? Uh, no, pretty sure. Know. And Andy Baldwin is in the chat again tonight. Uh, oh, and, and there's a guy named Mark Shields in the chat. That's me. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I, yeah so anyway, I gotta I gotta acknowledge the chat, peoples. Let's wrap up what happened on October 18th. What happened? So, uh, well, also CBS had the Twilight Zone. It was in a little revival, oh, um, yeah. and then they had their terrible drama shows, Dallas and Falcon Crest. Wait a minute, terrible! Oh, Dallas was huge, man. Dallas is awesome. Uh, you can't. You can't just. It was right on after the, they. Right on after on, Bobby, Dukes of Hazard. Bobby was dreaming or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. I gotta say, as a Canadian kid, there's nothing I can relate more to than a wealthy Texas oil man. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh my God, that's hilarious! Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so back on AB. On NBC, Knight Rider and Miami Vice were rocking it out that night. Oh, my God. Miami Vice. That's right. Tubbs and Crockett. (sighs) And their Lamborghinis and Phil Collins in the air tonight. My ex-girlfriend told me that the guy who uh, put the arcade game out on the street because his house got flooded, he used to collect Lamborghinis, and it turned out it was just Vipers. (laughs) Well, those are nice. Those are He's nice. like, no, I didn't. Have, I only had Vipers. There was a TV show called Viper in the nineties. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it featured the Dodge Viper. Yeah, and then they had a spinoff series in the eight in the late mid nineties with like a Saturday morning. Anyway, if anyone remembers, really, that, I'm, yeah, it's terrible. I'm not even going to bring it up anymore. So. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up what happened that day with that NES. With the we're gonna talk about what were the top five songs. Excellent. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Number five was We Belong by Pat Benatar. Yes. Oh. The song is making me. I love this song. Emotional. Isn't it song. like the, the theme song for like Beastmaster or, <laughs> or something like that? I don't know, but it sounds like it could be. Yeah. yeah listen listen to like her vocal. It. Just listen. Not that easy. Oh, seriously, that should be number one on this show, right? So good. Oh my God, this next song reminds me of my uh, of high school. For some reason, I don't know why. New edition was number four with "Cool It Now." Oh, it's terrible. What? This song is such a weak song compared to the last one. I mean, it, it does sound like an 8-bit song, doesn't it? It does. It's like it could be in a video game. They were like a Jackson 5 ripoff. That's Ralph Tresvent, isn't it? 
Ralph Tresman. Never liked, never liked New Edition. Yeah. Yeah. They I, were not. I, I liked him when they got older, but this is terrible. Wow. Here we go. Chorus is coming up. Yeah. Finally, get to the bridge. Wow, that is okay. that's quite terrible. <laughs> and I was always confused by this because I was a huge fan of their uh, of of his original band, and I didn't know what he was doing here. The Honey Drippers, Sea of Love. Whose favorite? Whose original band was this? Are you kidding? I know I'm not. Tell the audience. Come on. Tell the audience. Two words. Led Zeppelin. And? Robert Plant. Robert Plant. Well, he's the lead singer of Led Zeppelin, so... I just don't get it. I was like, I loved Led Zeppelin, and like all my friends, like... We were all like bad at like we were like, hey, do you know this this album? Like it was like secret information to know all the albums that they'd put out because apparently it was just not well known. <laughs> anyway, and then he and then he came out with this. We we're like, what the hell is happening? I'm still kind of like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> Wait, here we go. With me, everybody, sing along. Oh, this song to Dude. the oh. sea. Uh, I'm sorry, man. I gotta tell you, this is a great song. Guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like all three. So. <laughs> I'm, I'm just. I, I wanted another Led Zeppelin song, and I got this. <laughs> but you gotta uh, remember, okay. back in the in the the mid '80s, like that, if you were doing '70s rock, like that's why Kiss took their makeup off, right? I mean, no one wanted to hear that. Like, sure, now it's great. Oh, but, I, so they're like, man, you gotta be a bit more poppy, Robert. He's like, okay, uh, need another couple billion. So I, I went to the druggie high school, and we never stopped <laughs> listening to the '70s stuff. So <laughs> I'll tell you, I I would never admit that I knew that Robert Plant was the lead singer of that song. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, uh-huh. but the, all right, but the audience deserved to know. That's all I gotta say. So the number two song, I like I like this one, "Wild Boys" by Duran Duran. Oh. Yeah, this is a good song. They get right to the point at the beginning. They do. They're like right up there. (laughs) Oh, this makes me sad. It's got a good power station type feel to it. Well, you know, power station was Duran Duran. Half of it anyway. Because Robert Palmer formed uh, power station with the other half of Duran Duran when they split up for a while. Yep. So... So the number one song uh, while all this was happening was Our Lady Madonna's Like a Virgin. I'm I'm kind of embarrassed. I like it. (laughs) I just, every time she does a song, I just remember her crawling around on stage with, you know, her bracelets. At the the, uh, the MTV. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. That was awesome. (laughs) <laughs> I gotta like, tell you, this is the best show I've ever been on. <laughs> <laughs> we just listen to great music and talk about the eighties. It's awesome. <laughs> okay, one more little chorus, and we'll cut it out. Here we go. Yeah. Touch for the very first time. 
<laughs> what a great day for the NES to be born. I can't. I can't. Oh my god. I can't believe Dan's not on the show. Uh, well, he would. He would have loved oh, this. Flipping shit. Yeah. Well, you know, we can't all be perfect. Right. <laughs> oh, you know. So uh, I suppose that brings us to our caller. Do we have, do we have some voicemail? Let me just check the. Let me just check the voicemails here. <laughs> Oh, oh, I do have a voicemail. Oh, okay. Uh, Bob. Oh, let me just, uh, hello. Okay. So, yeah, uh, there is a voicemail. Should we get this, uh, should we try this thing out here? Let's do it. Uh, well, you know, normally, uh, we try to check to see if there's, okay. What happened? I don't hear anything. I don't hear a thing. That's what kind of happens. It's you know, it's live. Uh, it's a live podcast. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Right. Let's try that again. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Arcade Ratio homeboys. It's your buddy Bob Zarzadek, control panel expert. Uh, I heard you got one of the most famous Canadians ever on your show tonight. Jay Bartlett of Nintendo Quest. I love Quest. I'm on a Quest right now. Find some decent toilet paper. Uh, but but I'm not here to talk about that. Uh, let, let's change the subject to Canada. Now, I'm, I'm not allowed in Canada anymore. Uh, I was part of an unfortunate Dunkaroo smuggling ring. It's a shameful part of my past, uh, I'm not proud of it, but, uh, Dunk- you know, I mean, I love Dunkaroos as much as the next guy, but I'll admit it. I have a problem. What the heck's a Dunkaroo? That. Uh, so anyway, you don't know uh, what a Dunkaroo is? Tonight is uh, when does season two start? I'm <laughs> asking for a friend. I'll hang up now and go to sleep. You stay safe, arcade ratio, homeboys, there's a deck out. He's part of a Dunkaroo smuggling ring? First of all, what is a Dunkaroo? I have no idea what a Dunkaroo is. Jay, you must know. Jay, it's cu- it's cookies dipped in frosting. My wife like says, mini. "Mini cookies dipped in frosting." Yeah. They sold them in the states and then they stopped selling them, but you can still get them in Canada. Is that like oh, you po- can? Is that, okay, is that like? Oh, she, actually, she just wrote them on a list, so I guess we're gonna have some of those. Dude. Oh, they're Funny. really good. Is that like a poutine? Is that like poutine? Is that a, is a thing? No, it's like a candy, like a treat. Because I hear you can only get poutine, good poutine, in Canada. I did not know that either, and that's been brought to my attention, yes. Yeah, because like even in Minnesota, which is not far from Toronto and, and Ontario, we do not have good poutine here. Hmm. Hmm. But we do love super troopers. Nice. Hmm. <laughs> 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 wow. That was a little bill. Oh, seriously. Okay, anyway, that's a different conversation. Hey, let's let's do a real interview now. Wait a minute, did Bob did, did Bob have a question for the guest? Well, that was it. Uh, he he wanted to know when season two starts. I I don't even know. We don't really know. This could be the season finale tonight. Hmm. This could be. That sounds good to me. But you know, all things considered, since we don't have our third host, uh, well, we do have a third host tonight, and his name is Jay. But you know the. 
we don't have our regular third house, we could have another episode. You never know. Okay. Thanks, guys. You're such great pals. <laughs> we we'd love to have you on the on the back burner. That's what that's what we're all about. <laughs> Emergency host. Oh my gosh! So. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put our service to the test. Hey, that means uh, we're we've got Jay Bartlett as our guest. Uh, welcome to the show again, Jay. Why, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. And this is where the awesome. meat. This is where the meat and potatoes of the show actually happens. We've been boiling them for some hours now, and we have lots of questions. <laughs> well, I will answer to the best of my abilities. <laughs> okay, so first of all, let's just start off uh, kind of how we always do. We just give you a little time to warm up. Give us a little bit of your backstory, how you got into video games, and what led up to your quest. Wow. What a great question. <laughs> I am 42, so I've pretty much been there since the beginning. Um, I played Pong at my Aunt Bev's house when I was just a little tyke, and I've been hooked since. I've had Pong? every console released, Pong? every major console released. So um, Pong was really one of your first games? Yep. Wow. For real, yeah. That's awesome, dude. Pong was in, I mean, I watched a lot more than I played because I didn't really understand it too much, which is hilarious because it's so basic, but... Um, yeah, then I really got into it when I got the Atari 2600, and my very first game was The Empire Strikes Back. Oh! So, you know, we have not talked about that game on this show. Yeah, not I mean, in- that game is fantastic, and I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So, so that kind of, yeah. My two loves together, and you could actually be Luke and fly the snow speeder. <laughs> it's great. Seriously, one of the best games, Parker Brothers, Atari VT- VCS 2600, uh, Empire Strikes Back, get it, right? Fantastic. Um, and then, you know, Rob and I grew up together. Uh, Rob is the, the creator or the, the filmmaker um, for Nintendo Quest. And we kind of just love playing games together. And we kind of had this weird thing where when a new console would come out, I specifically remember uh, the Saturn and the PS1 launched pretty close to each other. Um, everyone was getting rid of like their Sega CD stuff and their Genesis and whatever. And Rob and I kept, we always kept all our stuff. And I remember our buddies made fun of us because it's like, why do you have bookshelves? No one wants to play like Altered Beast. And I'm like, yeah, man, I still enjoy playing it. Altered Beast is one of my favorites, actually. Yeah, man. So we hung on to that stuff. Um, never really got rid of it. Sweet. And uh, I've always been a collector. Um, again, Star Wars, first and foremost, and video games are my two main passions. And I just go to ridiculous lengths to obtain these items and i always have yeah and i think that's that's why rob chose me uh, other than you know we're great friends and all that. sure it gives so. you kind of an excuse to to do something interesting and for those of you who don't know uh this is jay bartlett from the um well it's been it's out it's been out for a while but it's been newly released to amazon prime and so those of you that have prime memberships can watch it for free uh or you can download it and pay for it um and own it and the cool thing about it is it it, it's a story about jay bartlett uh our guest tonight jay uh who is tasked 
I'll say you're tasked. You're tasked with um, obtaining every single NTSC release uh, uh, that is it, the official Nintendo um, Entertainment System cartridges of the period. Um, you're tasked with collecting every single one of them without using the internet, right? And starting, Correct. and you must start from scratch. So even if you had them, you had to start from the yeah. beginning. And I will, I will just interject a bit too and say it was the the retail games. So it was the games that you could actually go buy on the shelf. So not the black cartridges, not the unofficial releases, none of that stuff. No, just the official NTSC uh, Nintendo Seal of Approval games. Yeah, so those are cool. So and that includes you know titles like uh, I don't know. Give us some of the rare titles. Uh, there's a little-known title that came out in 92 called Little Samson, which is one of the best all-around games ever. Um, that kind of slipped under the radar. You know, the Super Nintendo, the Genesis were in full swing, so no one at the time really cared about any of that stuff anymore. Um, that's a rare one. Of course, Stadium Events is... Stadium Events. One of the best stories in video game history. Um, I mean, it's just really a reskinning of world-class track meet. Sure. Uh, there's that. There's stuff like Panic Restaurants. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's there's tons. We 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 boiled it down to our top twenty. The the top twenty that we thought. Now the top three you can't really argue. The others are up for debate, of course. But those were the top twenty we came up with. Sure. Well, and you know what? Arguably, in, in watching the film, and being a collector myself, um, those are those are titles that were difficult to come across. So we know you're like for Star Wars, Nintendo, and music. Tell us how each one of those things uh, influenced your life. Music uh, was always in my house. My my parents always had the top forty station on, so that's why I love stuff like Madonna, you know, George Michael, Elton John. And then when I got a little bit older in grade seven and eight, that's what we call in Canada. I don't know what you guys call it down there, but it's a couple years before high school. Uh, a buddy of mine, he was this rocker dude. He's like, "Hey, Jake, come here, man. You got to." He had a big duffel bag, right? He'd open it up. And it was all these cassettes with, you know, dudes that looked like women and they all had their faces <laughs> painted all hair. I got a cassette like that. I thought, <laughs> I forgot what the name of the band was. But I was like, oh, those are pretty ladies. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I think Poison was one of the yes, prettiest yes. bands of all time. Yeah, That's funny. Uh, um, one, of my, one of the first bands that was like that for me was Heart because... Of course, the two women were dressed up as women, but yeah, well, you lucked out. There were two women there. Yeah, but there was also like yeah. two guys that looked a lot like the women, so it was very confusing. Well, and, and you know what? I'm a huge Kiss fan too, and and Paul and Jean in the '80s. Wow, they looked very, very, very feminine. But anyway, <laughs> um, so he just said, "Take a few of these tapes home," and I was hooked on rock music right off the bat. Um, and again, it was kind of one of those things that I got made fun of because I would listen to, you know, Roy Orbison and then the next second I'd put on Metallica Okay, and so I just kind of always liked everything. <laughs> I didn't see why you had to like one or the other. Right. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So you just struck a chord with me. I'm a huge Roy Orbison fan. So, yeah. Um, and, 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 and subsequently, uh, uh, Chris Isaac fan, because he's basically a Roy Orbison, uh, conduit if you ask me. So, mm. um, in some ways. So of all the Roy Orbison uh, songs that uh, you ever heard as a kid, which one, uh, which one did you like the best? It was off his last record. It was the single, you got it. Oh my God. I have, I have the sheet music for that. And I played on yeah. my guitar. 
That's still my favorite. I love Pretty Woman and stuff like that, of course, all those classics. Sure. But that was the first one I heard. And at the time, it was a single on the radio, right? It was. So that was... Bonnie yeah, Ray had like, covered this it. Guy, he sounded like... He reminded me, like, I'm a huge Axl Rose fan. Mm-hmm. And and those two, there's a lot of guys like that, but there's, those two have such unique voices. You can't copy it. No. And it's just you hear it, and it does something to you. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's, that's it, my favorite song. You know, and, and Bonnie Ray covered it and she did pretty well with it, but it's, it, it was never done like Roy did it. <laughs> it and, was like a show pro doing sweet child of mine. It was like, <laughs> yeah, you know, and that was off the album mystery girl I, I, in 89. I was working at target as a, as a kid. And I remember, nice. I remember that album coming out. There was, there was a bunch of songs that I really liked, like California blue and, um, windsurfer my dad was a big windsurfer you know and so you know and he also loves surf music so i I couldn't help but to to love roy orbison but um you know for those of you who've never heard it i gotta play a a clip here so classic it is it, it is so classic and he went on to do work with um you know uh the traveling wilburys george uh, you know George Harrison, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan. I mean, s- seriously, such a, a unique voice amongst him. And my favorite, um, my favorite song by uh, Roy Orbison is a little bit earlier, uh, and it, it it was covered later, also because you know apparently when you're Roy, you can't have your songs not be covered. You know, um, but uh, it's. Um, you know, Elvis did it, but my favorite version is, is Roy's, and it's uh, Mean Woman Blues. Well, I got a woman mean as she can be. Well, I got a woman mean as she can be. Now, sometimes I think she's almost mean to me. She got a ruby lips, she got shapely hips, yes. That's great. Fantastic. One of my all-time favorites. So, uh, you know, music, huge influence in your life. When did Star Wars come into your life? Oh, instantly. 1977? Um, Yeah, people laugh when when I say I was two years old when my mom took me to the theater. Of course, I don't remember. I remember Empire and Jedi. I don't remember New Hope. Sure. But um, every Christmas, every birthday, it was Star Wars this, that, and everything. Um. Did you have a videotape copy of it? Oh, yeah, I did. It was uh, We had a network up here called the Super Channel, and it was one of those pay-per-view things, and I remember my grandpa taped, and I wore it out. I wore two of them out for uh, Return of the Jedi. But, yeah, it's it's always been there. The, it's, in my opinion, the greatest story ever told, and I know I realize it's a combination of many stories. I get that. Sure. But, uh, like the combination of Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford is just—it's magic. So now that Absolutely. you mention their names, what do you think yeah. of this uh, Force Awakens and uh, their reappearance in the films after you know thirty years? How, how much time do we have here? <laughs> <laughs> give me, give me um, your, give me your uh, best two-minute summary. For sure, I, I'm glad to see a sequel to Return of the Jedi. I think that JJ did did it justice there was a lot of similarities to a new hope i don't think it plagiarized it i think jj had literally the weight of the galaxy on his shoulders can you imagine can you imagine (laughs) yeah 
right? Writing wow. the sequel to Return of the Jedi. Like, are you kidding? Well, just look at the turmoil that the Han film's going under right now, you know? Yep. The fire the yeah, director. They got Ron Howard coming in. You know they've already announced JJ as the third as the writer for the ninth movie. So they they know they they have uh, some big shoes to fill, right? Yep, I, I love I love the new characters of the Force Awakens. I love the villains. I think it fits right in. But I'm a fan of of all eight of them, with Rogue One included. Um, there's flaws with all of them, of course. There's absolutely, um, and I think it. You know, Star Wars gets a lot of crap, and it gets a lot of crap thrown at it. But George said at uh, Celebration this year, you know, I, he's like, no offense, you guys, but I wrote these movies for 12-year-olds. <laughs> right. They're not meant it's to true. be these, like, you know, you've got to sit down and analyze every move that, you know, Luke made and what it meant. He's like, right. no, they're made for 12-year-olds. <laughs> yeah, so in, in short, I think, I think it's going in the right direction. I think Disney is doing a wonderful job. Um, George was done with Star Wars after everything he, you know, the, the scrutiny he got for one, two, and three, he was done. Yeah. And so I'm glad that the franchise, he passed it on and it has a new life. Yeah. And you know, what's funny is I, I, you couldn't have put it more succinctly in a, in a, in a short period of time. So uh, appreciate your opinion. The, the thing that I would really, um, the, tonight I, I discovered, you know, watching the documentary that you were in, uh, we, we see very little of your musical taste but we know you really love music. We know you really love Star Wars. We know you really love Nintendo. And I want to focus just a minute on the music portion. Um, sure. Uh, so tell us the influences. Uh, I mean, it, I love the fact that you can you can uh, kind of go along with all of the different pop music plus whatever you love um, in general. Uh, tell us a little bit about how music influenced your life. Well, I think the first real image I have that I can remember was being in my mom's basement. I was in grade eight. So I was about 13 and I saw the video for Sweet Child of Mine um, by Guns N' Roses and no word of a lie. Seeing Axel and what came out of his voice box, like he looked like a woman, but he screeched like a maniac, but it was beautiful, but they were like cowboys. It was insane. And I knew exactly then that that's what I wanted to do. I'm like, I have to do that. <laughs> Do you um, sing? Do you sing today? I, I no, no, I don't sing. I play drums and guitar. Oh, awesome! Um, I wish, I wish I could sing. I'm not bad, but I'm not, no front man. <laughs> um, so yeah, I you know my mom got me a drum set and the rest. I've I've been in bands my whole life. I've always loved all forms of music. You know, there's no guilty pleasure in, in my books. I mean, if it's a good song, it's a good song. You know, I mean, there's some instinct stuff I like. You know, like it's crazy. Like I like all stuff. It's funny. I love the song Space maybe, Cowboy. Maybe edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I love the song Space Cowboy by, was it NSYNC that did that? I, I like Bye Bye Bye. Bye 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 is pretty funny. Hey, I used to like the band Savage Garden, if you guys are Oh, them. Dude, I love them. They sound a lot yeah. like Roxette, actually. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Huh. I used to like them. Yeah. Um, so, and and it's, it's funny how you put on a song and it transports you back to a feeling or to a place in time and you can't control it. Yeah. Oh, you're just instantly put back there, whether you want to be or not. I, I think I, that's such a power. Yeah. Music is the uh, universal translator of our time. I think, yeah. you know, it's funny. Um, you, uh, you're from Canada. So you yes. say grade eight, you know, grade seven, grade five. So what is that called? It, yeah, same My thing. wife talks about middle school. Is that so? Middle school in in the states here, we've had a couple of things. We had junior high, which was seven, eight, nine, and then we have middle school, which is six, seven, eight. 
Okay. So a middle school is more prominent now, at least in my area. Um, and then you get into high school, which is nine, 10, 11, 12, which is freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior. And, and, um, but I always was fascinated by the, the grade system in, in, um, um, I'm a huge fan of the bare naked ladies. Yeah. Uh, and they do a song. Yeah. They do a song called grade nine. Yes. And I want to, or a song called grade nine. I want to play a little bit of that right now because it's, it's great. Oh, here we go. It's just fun. Okay. Found my locker and I found my classes. I lost my lunch and I broke my glasses. That guy is huge. That girl is wailing. First day of school and I'm already failing. This is me in grade nine, baby. This is me in grade nine. This is me in grade nine. And dude, so classic. It, it is. It's the same for all of us, whether you're a freshman in high school or you're in junior high or you're in grade nine in, in Canada. And I think that song resonated with me for some reason. So anyway, I love that song. I had to play it. You, you mean their unique phrasing didn't resonate with you? Because well, for sure. I mean, in like twelve eight. I have what, a, I have on? like a ten minute story of how I came upon this album with a friend of mine, <laughs> but I'm not gonna pl- I'm not gonna talk about it right now because it's oh. but it's a it's a great song. So. You know, and and being that we're so close to Canada, you know, we can't we can't ignore William Shatner, can't ag- ignore Corey Hart. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Oh, uh, Gino Vanelli, you know, Wild Horses, dude. I, I mean, <laughs> that's go ahead, man. Sorry. No, go ahead. I'm I'm done. I'm just that gonna was... say, I got William Shatner is gonna be at our Comic Con. Um, I'm actually running the Star Wars section of the con. <laughs> we're going to go over to his booth and, and troll him. Oh, you got to do it. He'll love yeah, it. Yeah, for he sure. That. He'll oh, love hopefully it. Hopefully he does. And uh, Gino Vanelli, my old band Astoria, we covered, uh, oh, damn, what was the song called? Uh, Black Cars. Oh, that's a good song. Covered that. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Anyway. So Wild Horses, uh, seriously. That's it, good too, man. It is. But, yeah. you know. It's funny. Some things crept over into uh, our neck of the woods here in in Minnesota because we're so close to the border, and they did not make it national. You know, Corey Hart obviously did very well. Uh, other are there? I hope I'm not getting that wrong. He he is Canadian, right? Everybody. <laughs> Corey Hart and Brian Adams get mixed up all the time, but yeah, yeah they're both. Canadian. But Brian Adams, he's Canadian too. Yeah. yeah. So you know, and and they were fairly successful. Brian Adams more so than Corey Hart. But Gino Vanelli, yeah. most people don't know who the hell that guy is. You know. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. And and here here's the here's the clip of the song that I heard when I was a kid. It's just you know crickets. It's Northwoods. Mark, do you remember this at all? I do. Yeah, it's a great track. This is like Wayback Machine tonight. I love it. And this is the first verse is what does it for me. As the sun goes down on the Arizona plain And the wind whistles by like a runaway train It's a beautiful thing <laughs> you know it and then he's gonna sing chorus right now you can cut me deep you can cut me down you can cut me don't you know zucchini i always thought he said don't you know zucchini there i don't think it was zucchini though you can kick and scream you can 
Hopefully, so hopefully we just got like 18 people to buy that song because it's good. Yeah, everybody go to iTunes now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, music, Nintendo, Star Wars. Let's jump into the, um, into the, I know, you know, and it just got released to Amazon really very shortly, uh, not that long ago. So, uh, there are a lot of people haven't seen it yet. I don't know how much you want to give away on the show, but, um, in a nutshell, I kind of already went over. You had to collect all the games thirty days. Um, what did you find the biggest challenge about making this this uh, documentary? The biggest challenge. Uh, a lot of it was the money, because the the Kickstarter was used for the production of the film, um, and I had to buy everything with my own money. I knew that going in. Um, so obviously I knew a lot about Nintendo, but when we were really in the thick of it and coming across some of these titles, the prices of them and, you know, holding in my hand and had to make the decision, you know, am I going to find this a hundred bucks less in Texas or should I buy it here when I'm in Columbus? You know, it's, those were the hard choices. It's interesting because you probably learned a lot as you were going about the current market. You know, I, so, I did it. We, we shot in 2013. It was released in 2015, but in 2013, the bootleg cart market was not that big. It just started rearing its ugly head around. So, I mean, if we had to shoot that now, it would be a very different experience. I think. Oh my God. Last night I went on, uh, eBay, no joke. And I was looking for, uh, my own version of, um, stadium events. Yeah, and there's just they re, they reproduce it now, so you wouldn't even know. It's scary. You have to open the board. You have to know what you're looking for. You have to teach yourself. It's not that difficult, but um, we came across a fake stadium events really early on in Toronto at, at ANC Games, and they labeled it, you know, reproduction. It was more of a novelty thing. They it was fifty bucks. Um. But yeah, I mean, just how, how some of these people, we've seen it in cons over the last couple of years, someone bought a Dinosaur Peak. And I remember Rob and I heard rumbling, you know, 20 minutes later, and they were, the, the vendor and the guy were fighting because it was reproduction. The guy wouldn't open it up and let him look at the board. Absolutely. And it was, you know, the sticker was way too mint, especially, you know, that was a rental, right? Yeah. So to find a Dinosaur Peak in pristine shape is pretty rare. Sure. And this one was, you know, obviously the sticker was just printed and whatnot. So it's really too bad that people have to do that and really, really put a damper on the hobby, you know? Yeah. And it, you know, the funny thing is, is that it, it and it, this is good. There's not, we don't have a, a, a ton of people in the chat that tonight that are probably like heart die hard collectors, but it's good for us to get it out there. And when we release it um, to SoundCloud and iTunes and, and, and Google play, I hope people take, listen and, and like, you know, you guys, when you go and buy your your uh, Nintendo cartridges, you know, beware, buyer beware. You know, it's not like it used to be. You know. So. Yeah, if you see a stadium event online, um, yeah, do your research because there's not. I mean, the box itself, there's six six North American boxes that exist. 
So if you find one that's like factory sealed or has the box in the book, yeah, really, you can trace stadium events back to all the owners, all the way back to the 90s. You can trace all of them back, right? So especially right. if you're part of Nintendo Age. Well, and, 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 and from watching the documentary, there's only like 10 or so copies that are like known to exist in North America, right? Of the cart? No, no, there, there was, well, there was, I think, 198 to 200 carts that sold before the game got recalled totally. Oh, okay, okay. And rebranded it. So it was released on the East Coast of the U.S. only at Woolworths locations. <laughs> how, uh, how strange is that, right? So only Woolworths carried the game. Wow. And then Nintendo said, no, we want to rebrand it. World Class Track Me, we're going to put it with our power pad. And yeah. so, you know, so was, called it. Was it a, a licensed game? Or, or did they say, no, 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 we're going to license it? No, it was a licensed game. That's what, I thought. That's what I thought. So, yeah, when we were going over the list, you know, stadium events kept coming up when I was putting together the list of games. I'm like, oh, oh crap, you know. <laughs> Are you sure that one's on? I don't think it is. And then we're like, yep, that was sold. It was a NTSC retail game. So there, there's a lot of um, collectors out there that don't count stadium events. <clears throat> uh, whether you like it or not, unfortunately, you know, it is part of the complete collection because it was released for a short period of time. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I was a big collector myself for many years, and um, you know, forty-five, I guess I'm right in that category, and um, I, I, I actually sold the majority um, of my Nintendo collection uh, a little over a year ago, and I didn't have, oh, did you? Yeah. yeah, I did not have um, uh, stadium events, but I had, you know, a lot of uh, uncommons. I would say I maybe had a couple rare titles, but I probably didn't know I had them. I sold about 500 games with a front loader, um, uh, four controllers, a four tap, and a light gun, uh, and a bunch of other stuff as a lot, you know, and just kind yeah. of unloaded because, well, you know, there's there's things out there that you can get now that are uh, make it a little easier for you to collect, you know. Uh, I won't necessarily yeah, promote them, but, I, you know, EverDrive, for instance, is uh, it, it just all depends on the individual collector. I don't think there's a right or wrong way to collect things. Um, when we were writing this movie, we both looked at each other and it's like, why Why do we want to do this? Why do we want to say no internet? Why do we want to say none of that technology stuff? That's a good because question. Because our, our very first video we made was May 20th, 2000. And it's when we went to uh, pick up Perfect Dark when it was released on 64. Sure. And there was such a hype behind that because it was the successor to Goldeneye to Absolutely. some degree. And we made a video of it and everyone thought we were stupid. Like, why are you shooting yourselves going to play the game, right? <laughs> we still have, Rob still has the video. And um, that was half the fun. Yeah. It was the anticipation to the game, going with your buddy to get it. And we were like, oh, what color is the cart going to be? You know, is the box art like it is <laughs> in magazines? And it was so exciting. So we wanted to do it old school that way. All right. So I, I'm... I'm uh, digging through. I've got a box, the uh, probably the box of Nintendo games, right? That I have still. I'm just gonna go over for some titles. Let's talk about what you think about them. Um, you you just said uh, the word anticipation. I have the box copy of Anticipation. Probably the most common NES game next to Mario and Duck Hunt. But it's super fun and hilarious. It is good cover, is. right? But I can't believe that. Anticipation, I came across like 30,000 of them. And <laughs> Black Box Golf, we were making a joke with uh, with Sid Bolton, who has 
the biggest collection in Canada. He runs the sure. computer museum. Um, we were going to get all the black box golf games and make like a couch out of them <laughs> just for like a joke. So every store that we went to, I was going to buy golf. It turns out it got more and more expensive the more south we went, which was kind of weird, but yeah, there's a ton of those. So I'll rattle off a bunch of them because these are the sure. ones that I kept in my collection because I love them. Okay. Um, and, and there's no offense if you think they're hilarious, but if any stick out after I'm done saying their names, and I don't want to have you stop on everyone cause it'll take hours, sure, but, yeah. um, you know, I've got, um, I have a couple of, um, uh, Japanese carts that I kept. One is uh, Goonies, one is Dig Dug, one is a Power Joy, uh, multi-cart that has a bunch of games on it. And I have the Star Wars Namco, Namco, Namcot game. And then, um, s- North American games are Super Bowl, uh, RC Pro-Am, Caveman games, Empire Strikes Back, Remote Control, uh, Ice Hockey, Dr. Mario, Castlevania 2 and 3, one, uh, number 1, um, uh, the Dracula's Curse, Metroid, uh, Super Mario Brothers, obviously, Cubert, Cubert Rampage, uh, Duck Hunt, Life Force, um, Russian Attack, Paperboy, uh, Tetris, uh, Bomberman, Tetris 2, which is actually my favorite, uh, Solar Jetman, Lunar Pool, <laughs> I don't know why, I love that game, uh, Punch-Out, uh, Mike Tyson's, um, Wrecking Crew, uh, Ten Yard Fight, Bubble Bobble, Spelunker, Star Wars, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong 3, and Super Off-Road, Ivan Reitman, Super Off-Road, because it's one of the rare four-player four games that works. So nice. th- that's kind of my bin, you know. Is there any that stick out in there that you really like? I was like Donkey Kong 3. I always thought that Stanley got a bad rap. He always got kind of... It's funny because... You know, I, I, I always thought that they should make an amiibo of Stanley because that would be really cool. I, they should have put him in Smash Brothers at least. I love that. You know, it's funny because... Um, in MAME and in the 16 one, and um, in real life, I think that that game gets a, a bad rap, and it's super fun. It's it's different. It's different than the other Donkey Kong games. And I think the Nintendo version has some attainable high scores, which is the reason I love it so much. Yeah. You know? I think that you, you nailed it there. It is a lot different than Donkey Kong, right? So that's, you know, had that game come out and they called it something else, it might have done a little better, but... Because it's so, it's such a departure from the typical formula. Yeah, and Robert McCallum says in in the documentary, he says arguably one of the most popular games of all time is Donkey Kong Three, and I was my I was a little bit of gay. I mean, my mouth, my jaw dropped. I was like, "Why?" Well, I, I I agree. You know. Yeah. So fun. I fun. own one. Do you, do you actually? You like have the uh, the Japanese Star Wars too. That's the one where Darth Vader turns into a scorpion. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that happened in the film. <laughs> I love this because it's got like a foil cover and it's, it opens backwards, you know, cause it's yeah. Japanese and it's just, and, it, and the cartridge is chrome blue and it has a yeah. millennium Falcon. It's such a cool cartridge, you know? Yeah. So, if you look at it, it's, it's a, actually, it's a, good, it's a great collection and it's funny that, you know, what your favorite games are different from Mark's and different from mine. And it's just, everyone yeah. takes away, you know, I think a lot of the Nintendo stuff's taken from your childhood, sure. and, and whether it's terrible or not, you still will always love that game because you, you grew up having it, kind of thing. So, Rand, Randy Gelking in the um, chat just said, "Wrecking Crew severely underrated," and I totally agree. Like, yeah, what, what's what's your opinion on Wrecking Crew? It's great. I mean, Mario has done everything from a tennis player to a construction worker. 
Like he's yeah, and let's not forget he was the referee on Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Oh, he was the the referee in tennis. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, true. Like, that's true. Yeah, he's done everything. Yeah, like he was the mascot before he was the mascot. Right. Yeah, it's totally awesome. So, Mark, you had a couple questions in the pipe. What do you got going? Uh, it's like Wrecking Crew. I'm still on that thought. But um, hey, so Nintendo Quest. I was just curious, how much of that did you script versus, you know, ad lib? You know, I mean, I know that you had sort of an outline of what you wanted to happen, but did you, like, you know, what was planned and and didn't exactly pan out? The only parts that were scripted was the Nintendo 101, which our producer Jordan uh, overdubbed. Uh, And the parts where Rob is talking to the camera, where he kind of had to set up what was going to happen. So it was just a little bit easier for everyone to understand. We had to kind of have the rules out there. Um, The parts with me, nothing. So Rob would sit me down in the various locations. Like the the still interviews with me and with Todd Rogers and with Walter. Rob would stand behind the camera. He just says, okay, let's talk. Let's talk about Super Mario Brothers. And it would just be, I'd be looking at him and it would be a conversation. Um, Four or five hours would go by. You know, he would ask questions, and then we'd get into my family, and we'd talk about stuff like that. So nothing was scripted, and he just kind of grabbed what he needed. Um, yeah, that was basically it. Uh, the map was laid out by our friend William Law. He he kind of called ahead, not called ahead, but found out where these stores were and kind of mapped our route out kind of thing. Hmm. So we, we kind of had an idea where we were going. We didn't know if these stores would still be around, but he did a lot of internet research. So Awesome. Hey, and so what happened after the documentary ended? Let's, let me borrow that, that little phrase I used earlier. Is there anything to write home about? What do you mean? Sorry. Like, so like the documentary ended, you succeeded do you still have that collection somewhere or like what, where did that, like did, did the story advance anymore? Uh, like I said, kind of, I think, I think we were on the air when I talked about, yeah, Rob and I have a bunch of different ideas we want to work on uh, for a direct sequel and for possibly a series. Um, again, none of that stuff I can obviously really talk about oh, right, right now. Right, right, right. You got to kind of, in a weird way, not to inflate our egos, but it's it's like a J.J. Abrams thing. I kind of feel like Nintendo Quest was such a... It was my story, and that story was told. You got to know me. You see me grow as a person by the end, and I'm a different person. How do you replicate that in a sequel? Do you know what I mean? What system is more iconic than the NES in terms of library history? Probably not. You know? Yeah. So that's the kind of problem that we have. We don't want to make Friday the 13th Part 2, Part 3, Part 4. You know what I mean? Like, just these kind of sequels to spit them out. We could do Super Nintendo. We could do 2600. Yeah. Would it be as interesting? I don't think it would be. One of the things I, I, I felt was really interesting about this particular film, and I read some bad reviews, and I read some good reviews, by the way, and I, and I sound a little bit like um, Donald Trump right now, so I'm sorry uh, for those <laughs> that love Donald Trump. But... um. Uh, what I think is really interesting is that um, this is sort of an every man's story, you know, in all yeah. seriousness. And and at first I was like, oh, another documentary about what? And who gives a, a bleep, really, you know? Yeah. Um, and why am I going to watch this? What's going to be compelling 
for me to want to watch this thing, right? Um, the hunt. Well, and that's it, right? Because uh, like for for me, and we've talked about this, Mark. Um, but that's that's like for every arcade collector, regardless of creed or you know religion or political belief, it's about the hunt. You know, we love the hunt, and that's that's what brings yeah. us kind of all together. Yeah, and absolutely. Um, we were, you know, people said when we when we started shooting that we were plagiarizing, you know, the game chasers and, uh, you know, various other YouTubers. And it was just like, but, but we're not, you know, like we're not the only ones to go out there and document filming. Right. Do you know what I mean? Although, and I, and, you know, I know Billy and Jay, they're great dudes and I'm not discrediting what they do, but no. ours had more of a focus and had more of a purpose. That's you know, a different a, story though. That's a totally different story. A 30 day goal. And it was either like, it was going to happen or it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't like, well, now we're, you know, at this store and, oh, look what we found, you know. And there's nothing wrong with that, man. I've seen all their stuff, so don't get me wrong, okay? Yeah, no, no. And, you, and, you, just, and you're reverent to it. You, were, you alluded, you, you said you love those films, and I think that's great. One yeah. of the things I thought was really awesome was like, okay, here's a dude that's doing something that today is unusual. You can't, you can't just go out and buy 600 and blah, blah, blah games and get them all not on the internet, you know? So it's a challenge and it's a challenge that many of us can relate to. And many of us were willing to go along for the ride for. And I think that was the brilliance in the documentary. Yeah. And it was, it was one of the scariest times of my life. It was, I kind of put everything on the line because just the kind of collector I am, it's either I do it or I don't. So I'm like, it was all, it all came down to stadium events to be completely honest. It, was, <laughs> it all came down to that. And it was like, if I do this and I don't get that game, then this is going to be a huge failure. So it was sure. all, and, and you guys would be surprised. We came across four stadium events during the, the shoot. Um, and we really only see three of them. Let me see. Todd. Yeah, there was a, there was another guy in Seattle who yeah. wanted us to fly out there, which yeah, you know, we couldn't afford to do. Sure. Um, and the dude in Florida who was very insistent. That, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, he's buddies with Todd Rogers. Yeah. And originally when I started talking with Todd, Todd was going to get stadium events from him and bring it to me. So when I got to meet one of my idols, he would have stadium events. I'm like, dude, what what an ending. Right? Sure, That sure. would be such an ending. And obviously things with Josh Jones didn't, pan out and all everything you see is real there's a lot more with josh that we didn't show because it's you know an hour and a half movie but it's quite an ordeal yeah and we won't give away the ending but there's there's an awesome uh stadium event story to be had in that movie so watch it if you haven't seen it watch nintendo quest uh it's fantastic so of of the all of the arcade games you know so you have a a a list of like the most rare games i'd like to ask you about your five top nes games that you love and maybe it's only three uh whatever uh, whatever you can name three or five top nes games and then my favorite uh, nintendo game of all time is zelda 2 hands down oh adventures of link yeah yeah that game I was very fascinated with it because I was afraid of it as a kid. 
Mm. Um, it's brutally hard, and I didn't understand the mathematics to it. I didn't understand what level of the character up was back then. Right? Different game so, mechanics than the original, too. So Yeah, and you, you got to remember also back then, Miyamoto had created one Zelda before it, so there was no norm for Zelda. There was the three-quarter right. Zelda, and then there was the side-scroller Zelda. So he was just trying something different. Right? Well, and it was both. You had both. Yeah, the yeah. map part, and yeah. Um, I, I love Donkey Kong. I love Mega good. Man 2. Sweet. I love Mario 3 because I have a huge connection to The Wizard. That movie I just love. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, we actually went to the dinosaur. Rob and I <laughs> shot at the dinosaur where Jimmy goes at the end. Well, you we need did to, an episode of Power Tour there. Yeah. Does everybody in the chat remember the dinosaur? If you don't, uh, give us a lowdown of that scene. Basically, The Wizard is just about uh, a kid who... His sister drowned, and ever since she died, he he doesn't talk, and he's trying to get to California ultimately to deliver this package. Nobody knows why, and at the at the end, it's the dinosaur where the family last went on their vacation. And he just delivers a bunch of pictures and stuff of her uh, to this dinosaur where they had their picture taken. So it's like, shot there is so cool. Going there. It is. It is probably it is the best part of the movie, if you ask me. And if you haven't yeah. seen it, sorry, spoiler. So uh, you have the top Nintendo games. What are your five favorite arcade games then? My five favorite arcade games. Wow, good question. Uh, Street Fighter, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo is my favorite. That was the last iteration of Street Fighter 2. That game just absolutely rocks. I used to play a game called Lucky and Wild. Um, I think Tato made it, if I'm not mistaken. And Tato. it was... A car driving game with two Uzis, and then the one guy would be driving, and you could shoot with the other hand, uh, and you, you would bash out the windshield, and then you would just shoot guys. It was just this crazy, ridiculous arcade game. Um, I have a soft spot for Dragon's Lair as well. That's a good game. Dan Reed, our co-host, who's not here tonight, has one. Uh, Donkey Kong, my love of the film King of Kong. I like have everyone of- else, really broad. Uh, just a quick, quick, quick thing. I don't, I don't know if you know, but Steve Weeby played my Donkey Kong at the Mall of America. So, oh, that's Lucky, amazing. Lucky and Wild. By the way, that was a Namco game. I Namco. There you that. go. That's kind of close. <laughs> so, you think you have one left in the pipe? What do you got? One left. Another arcade game that I used to love. Um, really, any of the uh, like I was saying earlier off the air, the Konami four-player games, the Simpsons, the X Men. Any of that stuff where it brought us together and playing. Yeah. Uh, I loved all that stuff. Gauntlet, all that early. So British 1500 says, Lucky and Wild is fun. Great co-op. So little yeah. little feedback from there. Great so, game. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So uh, we like to play a little game uh, with some of our guests that's called The Name Game. Uh, we just name uh, a name, and then you give us uh, a one or two-word response. Um or three, but less than a sentence about the person that uh, we name. So, uh, Mark, why don't you kick it off, and I'll fill in the gaps. Okay, I only have two names, so I'm going to start off with Billy Mitchell. One or two re- first. Yep, one or two response uh, word response to that. Icon, legend. Nice. Okay, Steve Weeby. Icon, legend. Nice. Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. I like it. Richie Knuckles. Sorry, but it's, those two guys are just, I, I hold them way up here. Sure. Richie Knuckles. Great guy and awesome film. Go, uh, ben Gold. Oh, man. 
one of the sweetest guys I've met. I know that's he's such a cool dude. You know, it's he's funny just, you say that because I just want to run up and give him a hug. I do. I, I do. he's and he's smaller like me. Like he's like five seven, right? So yeah. he's he's such a little dude. And, <laughs> oh, he's he's so awesome. He's such a family guy. And and, and and for those of you that don't know, Ben Gold is a world record holder, or and, and has the distinction of being on uh, what that's incredible. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So, uh, centipede was it? I can't remember. That I, I can't remember which yeah. one it was. It, it doesn't matter. I think he could master all of them. Yeah, he's he he's actually Billy has talked about how he admires Ben Gold. Yeah. Uh, so another name, uh, Todd Rogers. He's like my father. He's <laughs> just. I love it. Uh, honest to God, he is one of the greatest people I've ever met. He's taught me so much about this industry and about being in the public eye in the industry. And again, I'll use the analogy with Wayne Gretzky. It's like getting to hang out with your idol and becoming buddies with him. You know, it's funny. It, um, when I watch the film, uh, when he comes in, he's not in very long, by the way. He's only there for a few minutes in the, in the yeah. film. And, it, and, the, and that's good because the focus is on Jay. So... But what I loved about Todd's segment is, is when he came in, he literally, you could see the relief on your face, Jay, when he accompanied you in to bargain. Yeah, I mean. Like, like all of a sudden he's like, give him, you know, offer him 50 bucks if he doesn't want it, whatever, you know. Yeah, and I, I'm like just like that. He's like, go ahead. He's like, what's he gonna do? Yeah, and it was just a huge like, yeah. What is he gonna do? It's just you know, he's gonna say no. The worst case scenario, right? Right. Um, what you're already expecting. Scene, so there's a scene in the film where we're at the Atari 2600 section, and I'm like, you know, Rob was off doing something, and I told Sarah, our main camera operator, to come over and just shoot this. And I just said, tell me what world records you have here. And he <laughs> named like 25. <laughs> I know. It's and I was just like, this is a guy who's a complete video game legend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's worked for Nintendo. He's Mr. Activision. They made a controller after him. I know. I love it. It's just, yeah, yeah he's the best. That's so, way more than two words. Sorry, man. No, dude. But you know what? Sometimes they deserve more than that. And Todd would appreciate that. And, I tagged him uh, on the show. I'm sure he'll listen. Um, yeah. You know, we actually, I already talked to him. He's the reason I, I, I reached out to you. Um, he's the reason I watched your documentary, actually. He's like, oh, you got to watch this. Because he was on our show, and he's like, you got to watch this. You're going to love it. And I was like, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. And I was like, oh, whatever. And, um, you know, and then I finally watched it. I'm like, this was actually really good. And I just, and I had to reach out to you and say, dude, I really loved it. So Todd is actually responsible, in a way, for getting us together. So um, thanks to Todd, and thanks for you to be on the show. So um, that kind of wraps up the, the name of the game. Um, uh, Mark, you have you have a, a Mortal Monday. Question? I, yeah, we, we we talked about this earlier. Uh, Mortal Monday. Tell us what happened and how you participated, and and what it is. Mortal Monday, I believe, was September thirteenth, nineteen ninety three. Ninety two or ninety three? I'm pretty sure it was ninety three. Um, it was basically when Mortal Kombat, the first one, came to the Super Nintendo and the Genesis which was huge because we all spent so much money at the arcades and time going down to the arcades. Now you could have this in your home. You could practice as your favorite guy. 
get better and then go down to the arcade and whoop everyone's butt, right? So we skipped high school, my buddy and I. We went to the Jumbo Video, it was called. And uh, we picked up our copies. And then there was the big dilemma, you guys remember? The Super Nintendo, they were all, you know, family-friendly. So the blood was stripped out of it. Some of the fatalities were changed. And then the Genesis one had all the gore in it. So, But it didn't have the bigger sprites and it didn't, you know, the graphics, the, the color palette wasn't as good. So you were torn. It was like, do you get the Super Nintendo one or the Genesis one? <laughs> I stuck I stuck with Nintendo. I eventually bought both, but uh, Nintendo was my first choice. But it was an exciting time, and the 90s had a lot of video game holidays like that. Big, epic events. And I, I don't remember one. The last really, really big one I remember was Halo 2. It was November 9th, 2004, and that was just out of this world huge. But since then, I don't remember anything that big. Hmm. Oh, it was 1993. 1993, there you go. Nice. Man, I've been chipped. <laughs> <laughs> no, you haven't. You've had a good... Dude, you can't say that. You're in Houston, a freaking hurricane come, and you got like nine of games in your store. Yeah, you well, could. people, yeah. It's very <laughs> sad. It's very sad. <laughs> you're good. You're good. Mark, you're doing really well. Um, you know, you may not live in Canada, but you, you're still doing pretty good. I see. <laughs> oh, hey, okay. So, what was another thing you mentioned earlier? Indiana Kid. I know. Oh yeah, I know we yeah, just yeah. Talked about this guy, but how'd you get that nickname? Indiana J. Uh, that was oh, Walter. When Rob was interviewing Walter, he said, "You know, what do you think about?" You know, he asked Walter a bunch of things. He's like, "What do you think about Jay's trip?" And he's like, "I'm really envious. I mean, Jay gets to go across North America." and hunt for these lost relics. And he got really spiritual about it. And he kind of talked himself into Indiana Jones. And then at the last second, he said, Indiana J. And I'm just like, wow, that's cool, man. You know, again, I'm a huge George Lucas fan. So that was just like right on, man. So, uh, even, even Howard, the duck, I do like Howard, the duck. (laughs) I do too. Film is disturbing. If you watch it as an adult, I do. No, I love it. I love. I it, like though. that he wants to bang. Um, <laughs> you know what's her name? It's great, Leah Thompson. Marty's mom. Leah Thompson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you should know that, Mark. <laughs> of course, you know Back to the yeah. Future. Oh, I, I, it was a very strange follow-up to her Back to the Future appearance, but oh, I'm okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, did either of you watch Radio Land Murders? No. Oh no. That's one of my favorite George Lucas stories of all time. It's a. Very little known film. Uh, Christopher Lloyd's in it. A great soundtrack. It's about uh, a radio show in the in, in the forties. Basically, it's fantastic. It's, it's called Radio Land Murders. I'll have so, to check that out for sure. It's good. Time. Um, sorry, guys, you have to excuse me for just one quick sec there. Okay, go ahead. We'll uh, we'll uh, round up and figure out how we're going to round this whole thing up. Absolutely, Mark. One of our best guests, I think. What do you think? I think so too. Yeah, I'm. I'm enjoying this. I'm having a great time. We're kind of diverging from just plain old arcade stuff, you know. Exactly. I am worried that we're going to run out of documentaries, but <laughs> I, you know, I thought that too. But then I went on Amazon the other, and I was like, "What the absolute Jesus is going on here?" You know. Hey, I'm excited about their future work. So that'll be kind of cool to be able to cover. That'll be fun. That. You know. I gotta tell you, um, and I, I want—I'm I, gonna have—I I gotta get Robert on the on the show, but 
Robert McCallum who directed, you know, and his buddy. But right. seriously, I mean, there's a couple of guys that just decided to, you know, dream up a theme. And how many times did you do that as a kid? You know, or me, you know, we had an idea and we tried to execute on it and we did all right. But now you have accessibility with, you know, great cameras and equipment and some of the animations in the film are top notch. I was just like, I was impressed. I was impressed that it was such a, um, yeah, I mean, the film opens with a pan across some NES equipment and it's so like, movie like you know it's like panning at the beginning of back to the future where you start on the monitor and then you see the newscaster and then you see all this stuff that doc built it's just kind of like that yeah maybe some of our chatters um have some suggestions for um you know documentaries that we haven't seen because i've seen a bunch you know we and we mentioned you know king kong all the time and whatever chasing ghosts and you know chasing games which is going to come up blah 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 and then we have you know but we don't i don't know if we've talked about a lot of them you know right so if anybody in the chat has suggestions for uh documentaries we have not seen we would love to rope in some guests in the future i think it'd be great the one, the one actually that they dig up the Atari landfill. I can't remember what that one's. Oh yeah, called. we we talked about that one. We're actually working on, um, on, uh, well, not the guy that did that documentary, but uh, you might have heard of him. He he did a little book called Ready Player One. Ernest Klein. Yes. Yeah. So we're we're, we're working on that. So Ernest, we're we'll probably have. I'm not going to say we we'll probably, but he's a he's a target for our. I'm going to get him. We both drive DeLoreans, so maybe yeah. that'll well, hook them. It'll work out. It'll work out. And, you know, the, and so far I've had, you know, we have had uh, excellent luck with um, getting um, interesting guests on, like yourself, Jay. So we're, we're, we hope that the people that come on the show continue to listen to the show. Jerry Buckner was actually very complimentary of this show. And I, I, was, I was a little overwhelmed when he was on because I was, out of all the guests we've had, I was probably most starstruck by him in the last yeah, year. Yeah. And he's you so- guys, you know what? You guys have it together. And it's very <laughs> professional and uh, it's just, it's been awesome. So, he, well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate that. So, uh, Mark, let, let's, let's roll off a couple of these other questions. We got a couple more that we want to get in the pipe before we, we sign off for tonight. Okay. So just quick, a quick shot here. Most challenging thing about making a documentary? Any documentary. Uh, the hours of shooting. Um, I would say uh, traveling from city to city, being up at 4.30, 5 a.m., uh, driving long distances, only having you know, 30, 40 minutes at each store. Wow. Like, there's not a lot of time, so it's not a really relaxed environment. You know, it's not like we had all day in Pittsburgh. It wasn't like that. It was, you know, we had to hit like six game stores in, you know, a few hours. So the time was, was always against us. Hmm. So, nice. Yeah. That it's gotta be challenging. That's for sure. So Mark. I'm giving you the last one, Adam, you gotta okay. take it. All right. So uh, or you can make one up. Well, okay. So there's challenges. So, and it's struggling and you had to get up in the butt crack of dawn and you've got an arch nemesis that you have to create in the film, which was kind of fun. I, I actually, I, I got to tell you that that was one of the, the, the moments in the film that I knew I really loved you guys is that 
you took this this collector and you gave him respect. And I'm not yeah. going to tell you exact. I'm not going to tell the audience exactly what you did because I want them to watch the film. But you actually gave him a role in the film as a villain, and he wanted that. Very much. He and did I, it. <laughs> I thought it was so cool because it's like, okay, uh, Jerk has taken my game, and then you solve that problem, and then you make him a villain, and he loves it. It's just like everybody wins, you know. So watch the watch the documentary if not for just that little bit but and all of the trials that you have for getting up early and you know trying to figure out how you're going to do everything during the day and managing your day job and traveling all over and fear of flying and you know whatever other things that we discover about you in the film that i didn't get into in this and by the way very heartfelt moments in the film uh they, they literally had an impact on me in a way that um, other documentaries don't. So I appreciate that you were willing to put some of your emotions out there on the line for the audience. And um, there's not, and not everybody does that. And not everybody has experienced what you have. But some people may have had similar experiences. Uh, and I think what you did was awesome. I, th- so. I think everyone has had, uh, obviously, loss. Yeah. Um, yeah. Much hard times, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, I don't think a lot of that is shown. No. I just, it just kind of came out. I don't think it was anything that was meant to happen. Like I said, Rob and I would have four and five hour conversations where he would just keep rolling and it all just kind of came out. Yeah. And, and, so. and, and that's what makes um, a film compelling is when you have uh, a human connection. So. This film gives you more than just a, a quest for a bunch of Nintendo games. It gives you the insight into an actual human um, person's life, and I appreciate that. But my, my, my question to you is, so uh, along with uh, the crappy sh- stuff that you had to go through to make this film, what benefits might you get as a star in a documentary like this? Uh, I get to be on awesome shows like this. <laughs> well, that's too easy. You gotta, you gotta come up with something else because we love that. We love that. Um, <laughs> it, it's amazing. Just how do you say this and sound humble? I don't know. Just being seen a different way, being put on that pedestal for for doing something that people admire. Realistically, anybody could do it. Sure. Um, it's just the way the video game community has embraced us, and we're part of that now. Well, and the, co- and the connections, right? Meeting all of your icons. You mentioned that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. At first when, you know, I was more into this scene than Rob was. So he said, you know, give me a list of 20 people you want in the film. And, you know, I named off James Rolfe and, you know, Pat Contry and guys like that. But then I also had the other side of the coin where I'm like, I really love the arcade scene. And I think it we could draw parallels to it. So I said, Walter and Billy and Todd, obviously. So getting to meet those guys and, uh, just the embrace of the community. Really. That's, it's such a big part going to cons and getting to sign autographs. Like that's crazy to me. Yeah. It, it, uh, I, I, that is a definite benefit. You get to meet fantastic people. Um, when you get connected with this community and I love that. Uh, so has Walter made a card for you? Yep. All right. I so, do have it. I think it's on our fridge, I believe. All right. Let's. Yeah, I do. Uh, it was 
before we were done shooting actually and it was when we had the nes club was our was the name of the film before our producer suggested we changed it to nintendo quest we had to get you know legal rights from nintendo to use it and stuff but it, we used to be called the nes club so there is the old school box art which was me kind of like a jim carrey pose like uh, super <laughs> mario brothers one <laughs> cover i love it that. yeah um so dude, yeah, I do have a card from him, and that's just one of the coolest things ever. Do Do you want to trade cards? I have one. Do you have yours? Yeah, I have my own. See, you know what the weird thing is is that I only have one. <laughs> well, they only gave, they only gave me one. I'll tell you, you what. One and you. So. I'll I'll talk to Walter. Uh, if he made one, he's got the he's got the let, let's 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 talk offline. We'll talk to Walter. We'll get you a new card that yeah. matches up better with your documentary. Um, absolutely yeah, cool. and by the way um for the listeners and yourself and and mark and i have talked a little bit about this but i've had some identity crisis in in in, in recent days uh and i have a hard time because i have to connect with people that i actually work with on a day-to-day basis you know like you did during the film right jay uh-huh. yeah you have you, you got your day job right yes and a day job kind of sucks you got to do whatever you got to do to make a living well at least i, I you know uh, actually, I, 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 you know, my day job's not so bad. But the, 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 I love this job, right? This is this is my passion, and uh, so I have a different, um, I have a different um, personality that I, I'm working on. So my my um, my call name for all my buddies out there in the arcade and uh, arcade radio from now on, I'm going to be going from Adam, uh, you know. Adam Stevens is, is, is my name. And there's a long story about that, and we're going to get into that in the actual final episode of Arcade Radio, um, which will be coming up in about a week. But um, to wrap it up here, uh, Jay, let's get with Walter. Let's get your, let's get your card updated, and I'm, I'll sponsor having a new card made for you. And you can have you know 500 cards to hand out wherever you go to conventions and whatever else. How's that sound? That sounds wonderful. <laughs> Speaking of handouts, um, I actually have a couple of copies of Nintendo Quest nice. that I can send to you guys oh, to that'd be, uh, that'd be awesome. give away to your listeners, or if you want to do a contest, I can... Uh, oh, maybe we can bring those to Grinkers. Yeah, we're going to do a Grinkfest in a couple of uh, weeks, next month, actually. Yeah, yeah. sure, man. I'll, I'll take them, I'll sign a couple for you, I'll send them to you, and you guys can do what you want with them. Yeah, oh, just, that'd, that'd be so cool, man. So I'll hook you up with my address after the show, and let's let's get this rocking. And I'll talk to Walter, and we'll get a couple of new cards going, and we could trade cards. I'll get you know Jerry says he has a box of them, so I'll make him sign a bunch. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Awesome. I know I know Todd has a few, so you know it'd be it'd be fun. We got to trade our cards. We got cards to trade, right? I mean, if we're not going to trade them, who is right? <laughs> Probably not a whole lot of people, but you know. No, nonetheless. So, um, to all of the listeners in the show, Randy, British 1500. Well, you know, those guys were our first two listeners, by the way, and they're still in the chat. We got Paradise Arcade tonight, which is, oh, you know, Brian, he's been, he's been on the show a couple times he's already. He's a rock. He is a rock, and we, we plug that show every week. So, Paradise right. Arcade here in Minnesota supplying parts and, and, and game parts for anybody who's looking to restore games or to put new arcade parts in their games. Um, go check out his website. We had, uh, you know, 
Dave from Buffalo, did he actually have to disconnect? I, I, you know, and Casey Relford, who Dan was actually looking forward to making fun of tonight. Um, oh. I know, you know, we mispronounced Casey's name like 800 times and he's still in Kelsey? the Kelsey? Yeah. <laughs> Carson? That was Carson Relford? Carson, Carson Daly? No, I don't know. So, you know, Nintendo Atari guy, uh, I don't know who he is. I think was, he's been in a couple times, but I, good to have him in the I'll, I'll track him in the chat andy baldman so we've had a really good chat tonight it's it's good to, i just want to name a few people that jumped in to, to listen to you jay because it's kind of cool that you know we do have you know like a we, like i said we don't have like 100 listeners but we got some people that like to pop in and and participate and they definitely shaped the show tonight so thank you to all of those uh gentle gentlemen's uh, you know, no women tonight. I'm a little disappointed. Usually there's, well, not usually, but sometimes we have one or two women in the show, too. Adam likes the ladies. I like the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, okay, first of all, before we close out tonight, um, Jay, thank you very much. Uh, Honored to have you on the show. Congratulations on your marriage, which is pretty recent, right? Yeah. Yeah. We got married about a month ago now. So um, can you can you give our listeners a little bit of a, uh, a lowdown about how that happened before we close out tonight. Yeah, actually, um, one day I was just bumming around my place and I got a, a random Facebook message from a lovely lady who said she actually watched Nintendo Quest. Nice. And uh, liked it. So that was a good start. That's a, that's a good um, start. That's a good start. And yeah, <laughs> and we just kept talking and we kind of really connected and just you know shared zelda like our, our love for zelda and kind of showed off collections with pictures online and stuff like that she has a bunch of zelda stuff i had a bunch of zelda stuff and we just kept talking and we decided to meet one day which was uh in niagara falls which was about halfway from new york and right. from where i'm in ontario yeah. yeah and it just boom that's it connected and that was it i knew instantly that's awesome you know, you know, and you, you know, it's that's a that's a that's perfect. That's a perfect bookend to this the the whole show. What do you think, Mark? I do. Yeah, I, I think. It's well, I will say because I know that Jessica is listening. That the best thing to come out of Nintendo Quest was her. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. It's a, so, it's we're a, gonna play some romantic music to hi. to <laughs> cut you out now. So I want to say to all of our listeners, thanks again for listening in. To the double R's, that's the Arcade Radio. Please join us on the conversation anytime. It's arcaderadio.com, arcaderadio.com. Email us at reactedarcaderadio.com. And, you know, leave us uh, comments and questions on the game line, along with Bob Zarzadek, who seems to be the only regular, at 612-548-GAME, which is 4263. That's 548-4263. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You know, it's just one click. Keep listening so we can get a custom URL. And subscribe to us again on iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud. This is Adam Stevens and Mark Shields signing off. Arcade Radio, here we go. Pants off. Pants are off. I'm dancing like a fool. Yeah! Whoever wrote this 
music at the end. It's brilliant. It's a brilliant guy. Huh. Oh yeah. Here we go. Here we go. I'm gonna take my socks off now. Your socks are off? I can do that. Oh, oh you, somebody just unsubscribed. Crap. Are you kidding us? <laughs> Someone unsubscribed. Good stuff, guys. That was a lot of fun. You guys are really fucking cool.